Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor here on the Five Reasons Sports Network and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. You can still find us on your favorite podcast apps. We're on Red Circle, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and again, the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Plenty of Dolphins and Panthers content there now as well. Make sure you hit like and subscribe also check out five reasonsports.com spell that one out unlike the newspapers we do not have a paywall and check us out on playback that's where you can watch the game uh with us during the game a little bit different i want to talk to eric about that actually as we go forward there's a little something different we're doing here so we might get some tips uh check them out at playback.tv backslash five rsn and again it's free to sign up and check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network that includes you break wheel fix go to you break wheel fix.com Based in North Miami, Mark's a big Miami Heat fan. He'll take good care of you whether you are a Heat fan or not, but you get 10% off if you mention five reasons. The complete wheel solution, the wheel repairs, the refinishing. They can do everything. They can give you all the Miami Heat colors if you want. Splash them all together, the vice colors, everything else that you've seen over the years. Canes colors, Dolphins colors, they can do all of it. Again, they take great care of you there in North Miami. It's youbreakwheelfix.com. You can also find them on Instagram and on Facebook by that same name with the U at the start. And again, we saw what just happened in South Florida with all the flooding. Your wheels may be messed up. So go to Mark. He'll take really good care of you. Check out youbreakwheelfix.com. And now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Yikes. Five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I got Alex Toledo. You can follow me at Tropical Blanket. I'm Ethan Scully. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick at Five Reasons Sports. And we've got the man, the myth, the legend. He's been on with us several times here on the podcast, we usually before the season, we do the preview episode, but now we're in the middle of the playoffs after the Miami Heat uh, win game one in New York, go up one nothing in their second round series. Obviously, the status of Jimmy Butler is a big conversation today, but we're going to go back in time a little bit with Miami Heat's play-by-play voice, the voice of the Miami Heat, Eric Reed, who is not in New York right now, so we're holding it down for you. Um, before we get into a little bit of nostalgia, we're going to go back and then we're going to go forward here. What are you doing during the season? Tell people where they can find you. Oh, during the series, I'm sorry. Before I even start with that, I just want to say something 
to you about congratulating you on sort of the, the, the reboot of your career. And not only have you put yourself in a great spot, Ethan, I really respect and appreciate the, the platform you have given to so many other young and upcoming uh, basketball experts and broadcasters. I've had, had the pleasure of meeting a number of them. You guys do a great job collectively. And Ethan, I just want to congratulate you for, for not only recreating your own career, but for giving so many other young and deserving, aspiring uh, basketball broadcasters this platform. So great job by you and your crew. I appreciate that, Eric. Um, they know a lot more basketball than I do. That's what I've learned here over the past few months. <laughs> Brady, Brady Hawk and I have developed this friendship. Um, he sits right behind me at every Eric Spolster press conference. He sits right in front of me uh, where we broadcast in the arena upstairs now at Sweet Level. And uh, we have gotten a kick out of each other. I appreciate and respect his knowledge, the questions he asked to Coach Spo. And uh, <laughs> he had a unique vantage point watching me announce a Heat-Dallas game, I believe, late in the season, opposite FAU's game in the Final Four. <laughs> and I'm watching one and broadcasting the other at the same time. And it, it was a bizarre moment. And fortunately, I had the good sense to take my headset mic and put it over my head uh, on that last possession of that painful loss that FAU suffered. So people didn't hear that guttural groan uh, that came out of me. But uh, we have enjoyed that vantage point. And Again, I've enjoyed getting to know your crew. Anyway, what we're doing, um, you know, the old, listen, there's only one downside to the job that me and 30 other, 29 other colleagues have, the TV play-by-play -play people in the league and color analysts. Only downside is when your team gets past the first round, you're not doing your job anymore uh, because no lo no more local telecast. It goes all to, to network TV, either TNT, ESPN, or ABC. Personally, there's no good time. I don't think there's ever a good time to be selfish. I know the worst time for me to, to have that quality would be now in the playoffs. So I just enjoy my team's success. The deeper we go, the better it is for all of us. So what I've done for all these years, uh, we do a fake broadcast. I hate to call it fake because it feels real as we do it. The Heat record it for social media use, for archival purposes, and however else they'd like to use it. Um, I've, I've enjoyed staying plugged into the, to all these playoff games since the late nineties after round one, I've done it. I, I broadcast all our championship games. Very few people get to hear it, but a bit or a piece here and there. Matter of fact, if you think back to that 06 championship and the last play, you constantly hear my call and it was part of a, a, a fake broadcast. So it's just going to be bits and pieces, but it keeps me involved in the game and the way I'm used to. Uh, for the last two seasons, since Jack's moved to radio, uh, my role changed. I used to travel to do these fake broadcasts and uh, sort of be our guy on scene for our post-game shows and pre-game shows. Well, with Jack's on site now, there's nobody else to, to host the shows. Uh, Will Manso is doing his Channel 10 thing, so I'm the new guy. And, <laughs> you know, it's not my preferred role, but I'll be honest with you. The challenge of doing playoff post-game shows I like it. It appeals to me. And to sit next to John Crotty and Ron Rothstein, one's my partner, one's my friend for the last 35 years and a, and a lifetime coach. He's, he's sort of the Dr. Jack Ramsey of now. Uh, I enjoy being with those two. And it's a challenge, guys, to, to analyze immediately right after a game. But as a play-by-play -play guy, 
you're used to that. You're used to, you know, analyzing as the game unfolds and, and picking out things that needed to be spoken about. And it's a challenge even after you win, but my God, it's, it's so easy to do a game and a post game when you win. I think the real challenge and when you're put in a position to do your best work is during and after a loss, especially in the playoffs, it deserves, you know, it deserves top shelf analysis and review and think about it. It serves a real valuable purpose. I think now, because right after ABC did the game yesterday, they did a quick interview with Butler and they're out and uh-huh. heat nation can tune us on the Bally sports app on Bally sports, Florida and, and or Bally sports sun. Uh, we did over an hour yesterday with podium sound, locker room sound, highlights, packages, uh, great analysis from John and Ronnie. And, and I'm going to throw in some things, too, that I think add credibility and, and information and entertainment to that show. So that's what we're doing right now, Ethan, and enjoying every game and, and the beauty of the playoffs. You, you get into every single possession of every game. It's so meaningful and it's, it's so magnified. And, and so far, it's been surprising, compelling, entertaining, and there's never, you know, never stop in the twists and turns that each one of these games takes us on. Hey, it's funny you talk about, uh, you know, after calling a game and then doing a post game show. It's kind of what we're trying to do a little bit with this playback thing that we we watch the game, we call it, and then we do a post game show afterwards. And it's it's interesting. I don't know, Alex, if you found it because different as we go through it, right? Because typically if we're at the game, we're watching the game and this and that, you get distracted by things that are going on because we're not, we don't have to call it play by play by play like you do and you have to be in tune and you've got, you know, thousands and thousands of people watching you. Um, you know, so I go to the concession sometimes, I do this, I get distracted. Something well, comes I see up, you come back with food, Ethan, when you're sitting in front of me. Oh, I always, I always, we sit, Alex, me and Brandon, we're in front of you at 118 all the time now, and I, I, I know which stands I got to go to at this point, and, and uh, when I'm going to hit the barbecue. I know, I know not to come back during the broadcast, because I know I'm going to walk in front of the legendary Eric Green, so I will wait until a dead ball. Brady told me that once, I'm like, never again, I'm waiting till a dead ball every time to go back. And oh, meanwhile, Alex, I'm stuck you, in You're my kind, face. man. We we have one uh, one guy that works for us, big guy, right? And he loves to just stand on those steps, like, and God bless him. But uh, I, I I pride <laughs> myself on on rarely losing my temper or not having patience. But come on, man, don't stand in my way. Don't stand in my <laughs> way while I'm trying to call that damn game. We'll nudge him, Eric. We'll nudge him. He's right next to us. We'll just nudge him. We'll tell him. <laughs> We'll tell get on, but it it is a different experience when you when you're sitting there and, and you're you're calling the entire game, and then you got to do a post game because so much happens. And I, I mean, as when I was a newspaper reporter, and I have thousands of these in storage, I'll never look at again. And I had I I literally would document every. I know I know your sheets. Your sheets are unbelievable. If people haven't seen your sheets, your pregame sheets, and the color coding and everything that you do there, I would just during games, you know, have a notebook, flip it over two dash zero. Zo jumper, two dash two, LJ two free throws. As we're on the subject of Heat Knicks, and I have thousands of these notebooks. I'm never going to do anything with these notebooks. They're not NFTs. Nothing's going to happen to them. But that's how I used to do it. And then you know, go go to the locker room, get you know with a tape recorder with a notebook, decide what you're going to transcribe, what you're going to do to write a story. I don't do any of that anymore. Like literally, like it's just everything is just bombing out content, social media. You know, we go to playback, we go to a post-game show. It's totally different the way I cover, and I know a lot of other people cover, but 
I, I have a lot of respect for for having to do what you're doing because, you know, you're you're calling the entire game whether it's fake or not. You know, a lot of it maybe used um, down the road, and then you got to talk about it afterwards and kind of go back through what mattered and what didn't matter, Correct. right? Um, and, and so, you know, that could be, so let's, let, let's talk. I, I do want to get into heat next with you, Alex and I do, and we do, I, I, I want to get into the past a little bit and then kind of where we're at, but I just want to start with game one. I mean, what, what struck you in that game in particular? Because, uh, you know, Max just said, Max Drews just spoke at their hotel. He said, we didn't play very well. He says, we know there are a lot of things we correct. We don't think we played very well. And the players are talking, you know, Caleb Martin was saying, we've been acting the whole, like we're an eight seed, that we're still, we're going to play this next game like we're down 0-3. I asked Kyle Lowry about the tendency of teams to relax when they get that split on the road. You see that happen all the time. I think it happened to the Heat in Milwaukee in the last series, to be honest with you, and they got blown off the floor without Giannis. But what did you, what, what did, before we go back in time, what, let's just go back to as it stands yesterday. Uh, what did you see in that game? What jumped out to you? Well, a lot, a lot did. But but the first thing I would say is it was Miami's lowest scoring game of the, of the playoffs so far at 108 points, which also, by the way, was the most the Knicks have allowed this year in, in the playoffs. It was also the worst field goal percentage game for Miami in the playoffs. That's been the biggest surprise. Even, even greater than beating the Bucs in five games was the way they beat the Bucs at 124 points per game on over 50% shooting from the field and close to 50% from three. This team struggled, finished last in the league in scoring at 109 a game, and you're doing this without Tyler Hero's creativity and 20 points per game and without Oladipo, who is Hero's backup. So really surprising. So not a great offensive game for the Heat, but what, what, what turned the game? You gave up like 40 points in the paint in, in the first half. Uh, the Heat were getting killed inside. But I thought the defense was so much better in the second half. Great defense on Brunson the whole game. Um, they, they shut down Barrett in the second half. They contained Robinson as a terrific offensive rebounder. But here's what turned the game. Kevin Love in the third quarter with those three straight Wes Unseld outlet laser beams from from under the basket all the way down to end court, it turned the game around. Three straight scores in transition, two of them from Jimmy, just uplifting plays, uh, set a tone for the second half. And then Kyle Lowry, who I – listen, I, I'm a big Kyle Lowry fan, going back to his days in Toronto with DeRozan. From my position as a Heat broadcaster, we played him enough. We played them in the playoffs. I absolutely – loved and respected both DeRozan and Lowry when they were Raptors. And Kyle has been playing hurt the last two years. Uh, you can see that. He's a little bit healthier now. Look how much more productive. But I think he's been not only underappreciated and underrespected, but I think he's been disrespected in our market. I, I think he's a Hall of Fame point guard. Um, he's a winner. He's a warrior. He's a leader. It, it, the, the, I, I don't know if the home viewers saw it, if we were just seeing a, ABC's video at breaks. I, I don't recall the difference, but he did so much talking at timeouts to his teammates on the bench with Karan Butler, who's a, one of our assistants. He's so involved. And to see him play the way he played in game five at Milwaukee, the way he played yesterday, 18 points, six assists, five rebounds, four block shots, Nine points in the fourth quarter, 
played the whole fourth quarter, made four or five game-changing defensive plays in that fourth quarter. I said it on our post-game show. Respect him, appreciate him, and enjoy what he is doing for, for his team right now. It was those two efforts, Love and Lowry, uh, helped the Heat win game one. I want to stay here on the basketball side. We'll get to some of the nostalgia a little bit. Uh, Alex and I were talking beforehand uh, about this team. And, um, you know, they come in last year as a one seed. And they come in this year as an eight seed. And was before last year, I said I thought they were more of a playoff team than a regular season team. I said that repeatedly on podcasts. I was surprised they played as well as they did in the regular season. Because I, I thought with P.J. Tucker and with Kyle – they were a team that was going to kind of, they might coast a little bit during the regular season, but they would turn it up in, in the postseason. It didn't happen last year. They've got the one seed. It feels like it happened this year, though. Like, to your experience, are there, in your view, the players you covered uh, through that, uh, the heat and followed, do, do you believe in there are 82-game players and 16-game players, kind of what what, uh, or what what Draymond Green talks about, that there's that there's just players that are built and teams that are built for this kind of environment? Uh, that maybe don't look like that in the regular season. But when you grind it down to preparing for one team in a series and the stakes are at a certain level and the pressure is at a certain level and the crowds are full, that they just perform better now. And is that is that what we're seeing right now? Well, you know, it's, it's easier to say it once you've seen some of it than before you've seen any of it. So you never really know until you get there. But one of the things I've always believed in, the 82-game regular season – drops enough clues that you shouldn't be too surprised about what happens to you in the playoffs. That is my general rule of thinking. Uh, it's not the case right now. Uh, Miami had a very inconsistent year, a lot of it due to injuries, uh, but they struggled offensively the whole season. Um, but I, I do believe the way Eric Spolster coaches his team and, and the culture of the heat, they are developing habits both as individuals and collectively that do help you win. And, and right now they're putting it together. If you look back, you know, sometimes you think it's just coach Spo speak when he says we're trending in the right direction. But since the all-star break, you look at the last 18 to 20 games, the heat did average about 115 a game during that time. So it was moving in the right direction, but now you team the best offense, the heat have played all year, amazingly without hero. And it's not just his 20 points. It's his creativity off the dribble that they're missing as well. But they're thriving anyway. But when you when you combine Miami's best offense of the season with their best defense, and, and what is Miami's best defense? When they disrupt, when they when they create turnovers. They won the top teams all, all season and forcing turn eight steals a game. They force a lot of turnovers. They get you know, a lot of their 109 points a game, a good portion of it was off turnovers. Yesterday, 22 to 8 points off turnovers, Miami. How about 30 to 15 points off the bench, Miami. You know, Milwaukee was the deeper team. The Knicks, with Miami being shorthanded like this, I think everybody views them as the deeper team, yet the Heat are getting it from their bench. And, you know, one of the things I brought out in our postgame show yesterday was – you know, the move Coach Spolstra made, so many little things that happen that people forget. You know, Lowry misses 15 games late in the season, and Eric knows how important Kyle is to this team. He did not want to start Lowry, even though, listen, he is he's our best point guard. Didn't want to start him 
because he didn't want the team to become overly reliant and dependent on Larry just in case we lost him again to, to an injury. So he decided after discussing it with Kyle to bring Kyle off the bench. Uh, it, first of all, it was a better way to manage Kyle's minutes. He would bring him in late in the first quarter. This way he was able to keep him to 20 to 25 minutes a game. Um, so it's worked out well. Look how well it's working out because Gabe has played great. He was incredible in the Milwaukee series. He had 22, a playoff career high in, game, in the game five clincher. He had four threes, two or three times in that series. And then yesterday he goes out and scores 20, sets a playoff career high with five triples. He's, he's playing the best he's ever played. And now you're getting Kyle Lowry finishing games and, and the leadership, uh, the on-court direction of his team, the way he communicates uh, and the way he can defend. The feet aren't as quick as they used to be. The hands are still lightning fast, made so many defensive plays in that game. So the way Coach Spo handled that has worked out amazingly well right now. And the way Kyle Lowry has accepted that. You know, there's some things that set Kyle and Jimmy apart, but I think why they're such close friends and, you know, explains a lot. They're cut from that same cloth, and that's great players that put winning ahead of everything else. It sounds simple, like everybody's like that, right? Nah, only the very best players in our sport put winning first. And I really mean that. And I think in Jimmy and Kyle, neither one of them care about stats. Neither one of them are concerned about how many points they score. And I think both of them go into every single game they play. And, and they're both such intelligent players both so fundamentally sound and both do the same thing. They, they sort of take inventory of the game they're in and understand what their team needs them to do to win that particular game. And to have them both and have a veteran like Kevin Love, this team is really unique in its, in its veteran leadership and, and its younger players. And it's a good mix. And I, I think I look at some of the teams out there, guys, that, that, I have rosters full of young guys. You're almost doing them a disservice. You need veterans, good veterans in that locker room to teach them how to be pros. And, and that's why people around the league, some, you know, raise their eyebrows or snicker about, you know, heat culture. It's real. It is real. Well, I think you look at the Memphis situation this year, and I think that's the one that jumps out that they could have used uh, a couple of vets. I'm going to let Alex uh, jump in here with some basketball stuff. And then after the break, uh, just if you put this in your head, Eric, I, I want to see if we can think of something from the Heat-Knicks rivalry that everybody hasn't talked about. Because I, I, I feel like we're, we're, we'll get into it after the break. But look, we, we were there and obviously the, you know, PJ and, and Charlie Ward and Van Gundy and Zoe's leg and Hardaway and Sprewell and LJ and, and Zoe. I mean, it's, you know, we know all that stuff. So maybe there might be something that maybe something you haven't told before, but, but Alex, uh, jump in here. So um, Eric, you just, by the way, an honor to be on the same show as you again, it's been a while, but uh, of course you're a legend. So just got to start off with that. Um, you mentioned a lot of uh, kind of what I was going to ask there as far as the other guys, right? It feels like last season, you know, with the whole storyline of how they were the number one, three point shooting team. And then it kind of fell off in the playoffs there was still, I would say, you know, a good team effort throughout that run um, to get them as far as they did. It wasn't just their star players carrying them or anything like that. 
but it's felt like this season, and you guys were talking about the whole 82-game season versus the 16-game season, it's felt like it's kind of gone the other way around. You had the inconsistent season where you couldn't get a shot to fall from three all year. They weren't necessarily good at um, getting to the rim or finishing there outside of Jimmy Butler as well. And now in the playoffs, they've shot it incredibly well from three. And it doesn't even feel very fluky. Like, even if the percentage comes down a little bit, it feels like they're mostly taking the shots that are there for them. You're, you're getting the contributions from everybody. The vets, when it comes to Lowry and Love, you know, the kind of the young vets, when it comes to Gabe, Struess, um, Caleb Martin, I mean, everybody is giving you something. You can go down the list, and I said it on yesterday's show, you can go down the list and you can point to the contributions that every single player has made. I think that's been huge for them in this playoff run, and – I think it's going to be re- really interesting to see um, what they can bring if Jimmy doesn't play in game two. So I wanted to ask you in general, since you kind of went over the the other teams, con- I mean, the other players' contributions already, what do you think it's going to take for them to overcome Jimmy's absence if he doesn't play? And is the onus on Bam to come up with more of the scoring? Is it more of a team effort? How do you feel about that? Well, for, first of all, I think that, you know, Spo said it, and it's – pretty much commonplace in the league. In the playoffs, your best teams, got your best players have to play great, okay? Your stars gotta be stars. And then you need the X factors to step up and they can change from game to game and we've seen that. I thought that Caleb was the top X factor in the Bucks series. And, you know, I've said this to Caleb, I have said this about Caleb for his two years in a heat uniform. I think he's really unique, first of all, He's the best two-way contract guy I think the league has ever seen because most two-way guys are, you know, G League guys looking for a shot, maybe have a shot. This guy played in the league uh, already for, for two years with Charlotte. But what I love about him and what I think makes him unique, not many players can you say this about. He uses his athleticism and energy equally well, offense, defense. Uh, I love that about him. He makes as many plays on defense as he does with his excitability and and athletic ability on offense. So he's a really, really useful player. You mentioned the three-point shooting. I think all the offensive numbers for Miami are going to come down a bit in this series. The Knicks-Cavaliers series, both teams averaged under 100 points a game in that series. By the way, the Knicks scored over 100 yesterday on their last shot. You realize that is the first time in our playoff history against them that they've scored 100 points against the Heat. That's how not. Wait, 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 wait. Slow down, slow down, slow down. That's the first time that even look the 2012 series, they never. They you know, let me, let, let, me, let me look at 2012 while we're on. But through the four years for sure. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you about 2012 right now. OK, OK, because I because I don't honestly all I remember about that series was in yeah, my Davis blowing out their knees and, and, and Amari it, killing a fire extinguisher. It's the only time they have ever scored oh 100 points or more against the Heat in the playoffs. So. Listen, wow. see, Ethan, I know you wanted to – well, okay, I, before we get to, to the history. Yeah. Jimmy Butler and Julius Randle, the, the two most talked about ankles in this series. I don't know, but I think that Randle is going to play in game two. He played – you know, he's had this ankle injury since late in the season against Miami. If you look at their series with Cleveland, he did not play well in the last three games. Only played 16 minutes in their game five win. 
So you're not go going to get a 100% version of Randall in this series. How good will the Julius Randall they get be? We will find out beginning probably on Tuesday night. As far as Jimmy's concerned, we don't know. Um, you know, we don't know the severity of the sprain. We don't know how he's going to feel Tuesday night. Should he not play on Tuesday? Well, first of all, if he plays on Tuesday, how well can he play on that injury? Uh, if he sits till next Saturday in game three, depending on the severity of the injury, it, will that be enough time? We just don't know if, you know, what percent of Jimmy Butler we're going to get for the rest of the series. So one game at a time. How the Heat win a game without him? I'm going to leave that one to Coach Spo. I, you know, I don't know how in the world you can replace what Jimmy Butler has meant and what he brings each night. Um, but whatever happens in game two, you took game one. You, for the moment, have home court. You hope you can win games three and four in Miami. But really, it's 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 one possession at a time. It's it's one minute at a time as, as we approach game two. But that would be daunting to have to play without him. I hope that's not the case. I would hate to see this extraordinary playoff run that he's on get unplugged, even if it's just temporarily. Yeah, and especially when you don't have Tyler Hero either, who if you had Tyler, you might be able to generate some of that offense. Uh, that's where it would really be felt. Or we do want to mention one of our sponsors here, and I'm going to give Eric a chance to give us an anecdote he's never given anybody before about Heat and Knicks, as if that actually exists, because I don't think I, – I, I feel like everybody's talked about everything for that series. But I do want to mention our friend Lynette. You can find her at insurancebylynette.com. There's her smiling face. She's there with us. On all of the streams, seriously, like she's pre-game, post-game, during the game, she's as big a Miami Heat fan as you'll possibly find, but she also can help you get insurance. So life insurance, renter's insurance, if you have a bad driving record and you need car insurance, trust me, she can find that for you, okay? 954-581-8800, 954-581-8800, A-Aggressive Insurance Agency, but just check out insurancebylanette.com. That's two N's and two T's, insurancebylanette. Com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Eric. So, look, I, I was going back through all the videos, and I'm trying to find myself in some of the videos. It's easier to find you than it is to find me, although I found myself. We used to sit baseline at the garden. We don't get those seats anymore. So I was I was talking to, to AC, to Anthony Carter, um, for the game yesterday. And he's leaning up against, you know, the basket stand. And I'm like, was it this basket or was it that basket? He's like, it was, he's like, you don't remember you right there. It was that basket. And that's when AC made the shot over the backboard uh, that ended up causing the NBA to change the rules. I was talking to Andy Ellisberg about that yesterday. That, that actually caused the NBA. And a- a- AC was like a hero for about 24 hours there in that series. There were so many moments, four years, I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again. I mean, two rivals um, geographically, because obviously of all the New Yorkers who come to South Florida, of which I was one, uh, of which obviously you have some history in, uh, in that area too, and I know you're a huge Jets fan uh, as well. Um, but also you had all the pre-existing feuds, whether it was LJ and Zoe, or whether it was Screewell and Hardaway for later in the rivalry, or the Van Gundy situation. And then you had the nicest guys in the world, P.J. Brown and Charlie Ward, uh, getting involved in one of the most unlikely uh, fracases of all time. Uh, and then all four series end on the last game. And two of them ended on the last play, basically, whether it was Weatherspoon's shot or uh, that didn't go in or Alan Houston's shot that did go in. Is there anything that just jumps out to you that like people don't talk about enough from those four years? be hard to pick one out right now, but those were probably the two most painful moments in the history of the franchise. Losing game seven at the then American Airlines Arena. Um, you know, Ewing had the, the go-ahead dunk when Zoe went for the steal, you know, about 30 feet away from the basket. And then it came down to a Weatherspoon shot. The Knicks defended it well. People probably talked about the Mashburn pass for, for years. I, th- I think the statute of limitations is up on, on all of that. <laughs> but two of the most painful moments in 97, one of the most joyful ones, uh, going to the conference finals for the first time, Tim Hardaway having the great game seven to go back to Chicago, his hometown, to play against Michael Jordan's Bulls, to be down in that series three to one. You know, when, when we were up three to one on Milwaukee, and we're talking about, you know, only 13 teams have ever come back from three to one. It's really cool that Miami is one of those 13 teams. I, I loved having John Crotty alongside to to tap into his memory. He was on that team. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, that was, an, you know, what I remember most about that series was game six, winning game six on the road. And 
you know, for, forever, I, I felt like that was the greatest game six road win in our history. I think there was one in 06 that you probably got to put on top of that, <laughs> but it meant so much. I remember Pat Riley saying, somebody has got to bring the heart of PJ Brown. And remember that night it was Ike Austin who had the, the track down block on a Charles Oakley transition layup, blocked that shot late in the game. So it was a great win. The most painful moment for me though, was the Allen Houston shot. I, I could, I, I was sitting, we didn't broadcast that game, sitting in court uh, next to Dr. Jack Ramsey, my, my great broadcast partner for eight years. And I remember uh, it was Terry Porter that deflected a loose ball. And instead of that ball just rolling up the court, you know, it was in the Knicks offensive end, had that ball, had that ball rolled up the court toward the midcourt stripe, time would have ran out. Ball rolled out of bounds, giving mm -hmm. time for that Allen Houston shot. And to see that runner hit the front rim, the backboard, the rim, and then in, like the prolonged anguish, and then the thud of a sudden defeat. I just remember being out of my seat and falling back into my chair with, with a thud and not even Dr. Jack could help me at that moment. And he helped me almost every moment I was with him, but painful, painful. But that pain really planted the seeds for the rest of what Pat Riley and the Heat have built since those three defeats to the Knicks in the playoffs. So it's really cool that these two franchises are meeting for the sixth time in the playoffs. It's the first time since 2012. And I love the fact that the Heat-Knicks rivalry is getting a new and updated chapter because for the younger fans, look, the players on the, the two teams now, they have no history. They have no knowledge or feeling about what transpired. A lot of the fans in both cities do, but a lot of them don't. And this series, I think, gives us a chance to rekindle some of those memories for fans to see some of those plays that you've mentioned and to see LJ and Starks and Ewing mm -hmm and Zoe, and Pat Riley, and Dwayne Wade. You know, he wasn't in those first series, but there was so much history represented for both franchises. Um, you know, there were plenty of Heat fans in New York. You know, I grew up going to games at the Garden. It is the best place as a, for a visiting player to play in and to win in. And when we come down here and the games are here, guys, I, I call it, the indoor version of Jets and Dolphins. It's the same feeling. It's only indoors, but you get a lot of Nick fans in our building and it's a great rivalry. I'm, I'm glad it's getting an updated chapter. And, and I think we probably have a long, interesting, dramatic series in front of us. Yeah, no doubt. And like you said, the, the breaks that went against the Heat all those years, then you look at the, some of it was repaid later on because you talk about another great game six, the Ray Allen shot, other things that happened later. It was hard for me to believe that good things could happen to the Heat. After the first four years that I covered them, three of those series ended like that. I know Alex has got one uh, one more question here to close. Eric, we really appreciate uh, your time today, though, as always. So, Eric, um, you know, we went over earlier about the, the contributions from everybody else and, you know, kind of went over the offensive side already. And you went over just kind of the blueprint of this team all season being how well they can defend, how well they can disrupt. Uh, get the points off turnovers. They've been pretty consistent with that all season, even when the defense fell off a little bit, I would say, when the offense was going up in the, in the second half of the season. They've been, I think, very consistent on both ends of the floor in this playoff run, whereas even even when it's felt like Jimmy had to put on the cape and do everything himself, and you know, uh, when he dropped 56 or whatever the case was, 
like I mentioned before, you can still point to everybody else on both ends of the floor and point to what they're doing and the impact they're giving you. I think their defense first mentality has been kind of, you know, their identity since the Pat Riley era, since I was born. And I think that's really what gets them to win games. And you mentioned it earlier, the way that they were able to shut off Brunson in the second half, even if they played good defense in the first half, everything was a lot sharper. The help was there earlier. They walled off the paint for him completely and absolutely shut down R.J. Barrett. Now, with Julius Randle potentially coming back next game, I think you wonder what is going to be the the way that the Heat handle Randle, right? Uh, didn't even mean to rhyme there. But I think, you know, Bam matched up onto Mitchell Robinson last game, worked out so well for the Heat. You know, he did a great job boxing him out. They got out-rebounded, but it wasn't getting dominated on the boards. It was uh, – I think they only finished with two more offensive rebounds in the Knicks. So I'm interested to see – uh, what they do with Randall. Are they going to slot Kevin Love on him and just have uh, everybody else hope? Or are they going to go back to what they've done during the season uh, where you put Bam on him and you have Love handle the boxing out of Mitchell Robinson? How do you feel about that? Well, I think, you know, Eric Spolster is always so multiple in what he's going to do defensively. It's not just one look. There'll be many looks. And and how they start is not that important. Um, Bam guards everybody anyway as the game goes on. Uh, you know, Robinson still got five offensive rebounds and 14 boards in yesterday's game. I, I really think that's one of the keys. The Knicks beat Cleveland in five games, shooting 42%. They killed Cleveland on the glass. They really killed them on the offensive boards. That's what's won the Knicks that series. So it's clearly important in this series for the Heat to just, they don't have to win the battle. Don't get beat up badly in, in that battle. Um, so that's going to be really important. And, you know, the defense is key. Um, it's, it's what carries Miami. Think about this. Playing in as many close games as the Heat have played in this year, look at how it is translating. Milwaukee was 51-3 and three this year with a lead through three quarters. 51-3. and three. They led by 11 after three quarters in game four. They led by 16. My God, they had a 16-point lead going into the fourth quarter uh, in Milwaukee in game five. Miami's undaunted. They're determined. It's a tough, gritty, competitive team. So no matter who's available or who's not available, they're going to give you everything they have. And uh, I hope that Jimmy returns to health quickly so we can get the series from him and, and the series uh, that that is deserving of these two teams. You want to see, you want to see teams at, at, as close to full strength as possible. And already without Tyler and Victor, uh, the, he can't afford to lose many more guys. You know who we haven't mentioned today? Haywood Highsmith. Yeah. And if Jimmy misses time, you know, Highsmith is going to get a lot more minutes. I don't know what he can do offensively. He's capable. Uh, we've seen him have some, some, some big nights on the offensive end, but already in these playoffs and his limited minutes, he has done a great job on the defensive end, and I know Haywood's going to be ready. And I think Cody Zeller uh, has a role to play in this series moving forward, too. The Heat's going to need his size and rebounding and, and toughness and screen setting before this series is over. I'm just blown away by that stat. I got to look it up myself, Eric. I trust you, but never scored 100 points. It's true. The it, I confirmed it. That's amazing. It. I, and again, I pace, pace adjusted, and I know everybody's going to throw that stuff at me and all that. But to never score 100, all of those series, they never cracked 100 points one time. And then 
2012, they had Carmelo, they had Amari, they had, and they, uh, they had Baron Davis for one game before this he blew out his knee. But this is a better Knicks team right now because Carmelo is second leading scorer in that team was J.R. Smith. Yeah. This is the best Knicks team they've had in, in a long time. But you know who was real? Jose Pineda, my, my colleague for 35 mm. years with the Heat. Uh, I, I think he's not just one of the top Spanish broadcasters, mm. language bro. He's one of the best announcers in the league, period. He was beside himself that the Knicks got over 100 <laughs> on the last play of the damn game. He was cursing in two languages. I know those. <laughs> he, <laughs> oh, he's, he's crazy in, in definitely two languages, yes. That's incredible. Oh, Siento, right? Isn't that uh, 100? That's, yeah, don't, don't, don't let him get over that number. That is, that's, that's, that's absolute insanity that they haven't done that before. All right, Eric, we appreciate it. Again, uh, catch all of Eric's postgame coverage as well. We'll see you back in the arena. Uh, Alex and Brady and I will bring you some food. Don't worry. Game three, we'll, we'll find you. We'll, we'll make sure that you get the food. And if you ever need the guy moved from your sight line, just we'll, we'll nudge him. We'll do what we Help can. me with that. You know who I'm talking about. Help me with that. I know, exa- I know exactly yeah. who you're talking about because I got to go around him on my way to go get food. That's the whole problem. So I'll trust me. I'll make sure he moves. I'll make sure we'll, we'll or I'll find one of the nice ushers over there to make sure he moves. We know all of them over there. Thank yeah, you, Eric. We really don't want to be blocked, even in a fake broadcast. Okay? No, I, I, I look. You got to know what you're not supposed to be seeing. I get it. I completely understand it. Thank you, Eric. We'll see you back in South Florida. Take care, guys. Enjoy, enjoy every bounce of this thing, man. Absolutely. To the five on the floor on the five review sports network. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.